today uh, we're continuing in our Remember series, and uh, this is uh, the last uh, installment of the uh, Remember series. We're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 4. For those of you who uh, still bring your Bibles to church, uh, you could go ahead and turn there if you would like to. Uh, we are going to read through Nehemiah 4 here in just a few minutes. Uh, after today, we will turn our attention to, uh, to Christmas on next Sunday the 18th, and then of course Christmas Eve. I uh, want to give some brief background to um, set the context of what we're going to read in Nehemiah 4 before we look at the text. It was somewhere around 587 B.C. Uh, that Babylon, under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar, destroyed the city of Jerusalem and carried many of the inhabitants of Jerusalem away into captivity uh, to Babylon. It was at this same time that the walls around Jerusalem were torn down and completely uh, destroyed. It's during this general period of history, this time of Nebuchadnezzar and uh, the captivity in Babylon, where we read some of our uh, great stories and find some of our great heroes of the Old Testament, people like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then somewhere around 539 BC, Babylon was conquered by Persia under the leadership of Cyrus the Great. And under Persian rule, some of the captives from Jerusalem were allowed to return to their home in Jerusalem. Cyrus was a, a leader who was favorable to the Jews, and he allowed many to return to Jerusalem. And the book of Ezra tells us about this return. And it's during this general time period that the temple in Jerusalem was rebuilt after having been destroyed when Nebuchadnezzar conquered the city. But even though many were able to return to Jerusalem, and even though the temple was rebuilt, the walls around the city were never rebuilt. And this left the inhabitants of Jerusalem vulnerable uh, to their neighboring enemies, and it also was a source uh, of shame to them. It was a continual reminder of their defeat, a continual reminder of their captivity, a continual reminder that things were not the way that they were supposed to be. Artaxerxes became king of Persia probably somewhere around 465 B.C., and an Israelite by the name of Nehemiah served Artaxerxes as his cupbearer. Now, Nehemiah uh, was born in captivity, but he loved Jerusalem, and he was deeply troubled that the walls of the city remained in ruins after all of this time. And so he appealed to Artaxerxes to allow him to go to Jerusalem and to oversee the rebuilding of the walls. It was probably sometime around 457 B.C. that Artaxerxes gave Nehemiah permission to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And the book of Nehemiah tells us about this important event in the history of Israel. There are two names that we're going to see as we uh, read through the text today. We're going to see the name uh, Sanballat and the name Tobiah. And they were both regional governors serving under the king of Persia, and they were enemies of Israel who consistently tried to prevent the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. And so again, today our focus is Nehemiah 4. I want to read it now. We are going to read the entire chapter. I'm going to read most of it, but like we did last week, I will prompt you uh, to read a couple of verses uh, with me. So here we go. I think it will be on the screen behind me as well. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. 
he ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stone. Hear us, O God, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Senballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Read verse 9 together. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put it into the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. Read verse 14 together. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated, uh, frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried the materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other, and each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. So we continued the work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man and his helpers stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and as workers by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon even when he went for water. The book of Nehemiah in chapter 4 that we just read are all about the rebuilding of the, wall, uh, the walls of Jerusalem. And there is a great lesson, there are great lessons here in chapter 4 that we can apply to our own lives. You might say, how does the rebuilding of a wall uh, all those many years ago affect us today and have relevance to our lives? It does. 
There are, there are a variety of ways that we can apply this uh, to our own lives. This event in history, the rebuilding of Jerusalem's wall, serves for us today as a metaphor for anything in our lives that needs to be rebuilt. The walls of Jerusalem needed to be rebuilt. What needs to be rebuilt in your own life? Is there something in your life, some area where you've experienced defeat, something where the enemy has wrecked havoc on you, maybe something the enemy has destroyed in your life? Is there something in your life that's been torn down and needs to be rebuilt, something that you need to rebuild? Some of us here today may have marriages that need to be rebuilt. Maybe what everyone sees as they observe you looks okay, but you and your spouse live a private reality that's much different than the public perception. Your marriage has suffered. Trust is shot. And if you're going to make it, the marriage needs to be re rebuilt. Maybe through no fault of your own or maybe through fault of your own, your finances have been decimated and you need to rebuild in the area of your finances. The walls of Jerusalem served as protection from outside threats. Maybe your family has come under some type of outside threat from the culture. Or maybe your family has come under some type of outside threat from a negative influence. You realize that you've not had enough safeguards up. You've dropped your guard. And you know that you need to rebuild some safeguards around your family. Some of us may have friendships that used to be strong and used to be a source of joy for us, but they aren't anymore. And if we ever want to see those friendships thrive again, we know that there's a rebuilding project that's going to have to be undertaken. Some of us have compromised in our walk with God. We need to rebuild our relationship with God. Some, perhaps not here today, have allowed something to turn them away from church. They no longer participate in the body of Christ, or they only do so at a very surface level. And if that happens to be you, you need to rebuild your commitment to the body of Christ. Some of us have allowed the culture more influence over us than God and His Word have. Maybe we need to rebuild our commitment that God and His Word are going to be the foundation of our lives. These are just a few examples Again, the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem serves as a metaphor for anything in your life that needs rebuilt. So think about your own life today. What is something that you can identify in your life that you know that thing needs to be rebuilt? This passage is for you. This passage has relevance for your life today. We find two things in the text uh, that I want to highlight we find that when you need to rebuild something, and especially once you have set out to rebuild it, that you are going to encounter opposition. You can, you, it's just almost a certainty that if you set out to rebuild something in your life, you're going to encounter opposition. And then we see in the example of Nehemiah some specific things that we need to commit to do when we need to rebuild something in our lives. So first... We see in the text that when you need to rebuild, and again, especially when you actually start to try to rebuild, there will be opposition. You should expect opposition. You should not be surprised 
when opposition comes your way. Look again at verses 1 through 3 if you uh, have your Bible. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they, what are they building? Even a little fox climbing up on that wall would break down their wall. When you start to rebuild something in your life, there is going to be, most likely, often, there is going to be external opposition from antagonists in your life. Sanballat was an antagonist. He became angry because Nehemiah and the people of God were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. It's an unfortunate reality that there are people out there like Sanballat who are going to get angry when you set out to rebuild things that need to be rebuilt. Because sad as it is to say, there are people out there who prefer you to always stay in a condition where something in your life isn't the way it should be. There are people out there who prefer for you to always live below the best that you can live. I, I don't know what motivates them. We could probably come up with some guesses, but there are people like that. They prefer that you not improve. They prefer that you just live in the broken condition that you're in and never rebuild what needs to be rebuilt. And so you go to rebuild your marriage, and inexplicably, that makes someone angry. You go to rebuild your finances, and someone doesn't like something about that. You try to fix a poor organizational structure in your company. People are going to get mad about that. Anytime you try to improve something, there is a decent chance that you're going to find someone who prefers you live with the broken down thing that needs to be rebuilt. And so your efforts at making things better, your efforts at rebuilding are going to make them mad because they are your antagonist. And one of the tactics that antagonists employ is insults. They insult you. They make fun of your efforts. They seek to discourage you by telling you you'll never be successful. Sanballat publicly ridiculed the Jews. He called them feeble. Tobiah insulted their progress. Why, a little fox would tear down that wall just by walking on it. Nehemiah and the Jews were insulted while they were trying to rebuild the wall. Don't be surprised when you try to rebuild something in your life if you don't endure some insults. Oh, she's trying to do better, but you know how she is. It's never going to last. Or worse, you know how you are. This probably won't last You'll go right back to whatever it is you're trying to stay away from. Oh, you're trying to work on your marriage? After everything you, your spouse put you through, why would you do that? Looks to me like your efforts to reorganize the company have just made a bigger mess out of things. Bet that feels, feels good. Don't be surprised when you go to rebuild if you face antagonists 
and the antagonist will often employ insults. And sometimes antagonists even go further and they issue threats. We see this in verses 7 and 8. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry and they all plotted together to stir up trouble against it. And then we read in verses 11 uh, and 12 that all of the enemies of uh, Israel, all of the enemies of Jerusalem around them were plotting to kill them and put an end to their work. The Jews that lived out in the surrounding countryside from Jerusalem would hear of these plots and they would come and they would tell the people in Jerusalem, wherever you turn, they will attack. We see in these verses that antagonists will sometimes make a commitment to do everything they can to stop the progress of rebuilding. And sometimes when you're rebuilding, there are those who want to stop it so badly that you could end up under threat. Sometimes the threats are known, sometimes threats are not known, unless a faithful friend uh, clues you in that there are threats out there. But when you start rebuilding, you just need to know and you need to be prepared that there will often be external opposition from antagonists. They'll often insult. They may pose a threat. They're sometimes committed to actively stopping your progress. And here's the main thing I I just want to say about this is just don't be naive to this. Don't assume that when you take on a rebuilding project that everybody's going to be for it. Don't be naive. Be prepared for opposition. But all of the opposition isn't external. Often when we try to rebuild something in our lives, a significant obstacle that must be overcome is our own discouragement and our own burnout. Look at verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. They were discouraged. They were tired. They were burned out. Discouragement and burnout are always risks with any rebuilding project. They're always a risk. And one of the greatest temptations that you'll face when trying to rebuild is that there will come points in the rebuilding project where the entire undertaking is going to feel impossible. Rebuilding will often feel, it will often appear to be, impossible. The marriage is too broken. The substance abuse has gone on for too long. I can't overcome it. The friendship has suffered too much damage. It's beyond repair. The company is too dysfunctional. The finances are too messed up. Whatever it is that you're needing to rebuild will sometimes feel impossible and you will face discouragement and you will face burnout. And so these are the challenges These are the challenges that confront us when we seek to rebuild. There are external challenges. There are internal challenges. So how do we overcome these challenges? And how do we rebuild the things in our lives that need to be rebuilt? We find four responses in Nehemiah that provide a great foundation 
for rebuilding whatever it is that needs rebuilt in our lives. Look at verse 4 first. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. When the walls need to be rebuilt, we need to pray. When something in your life needs to be rebuilt, you need to pray. Now, I want to make an acknowledgement here. This prayer that we just read is what's called an imprecatory prayer. And it's probably not the best model prayer for believers living under the new covenant. God, strike my enemies dead. I mean, sort of what Melissa just testified to. Um, <laughs> hey, don't get on the wrong side of a lawsuit with Melissa. I'm just telling you. <laughs> so this is an imprecatory prayer. Probably not the best model. Uh, that said, I, I will say that my personal thought is there is a time and a place when asking God to stand against an enemy is a valid prayer. God, stop what that evil person is doing. I think that's a valid prayer. But the simple point here is that when we need to rebuild something in our lives, that undertaking should be something that we take to the Lord in prayer. I know this seems obvious, but... But the question isn't whether the answer is obvious or not, it's do we actually employ the answer in our lives? That, that's the relevant thing here. And, and so we, most of us, if we're Christians, we know we should pray. The question is, do we pray? Do we take it to the Lord? And we should. We ask God for His wisdom, for guidance, for strength, for patience. Just spending time with the Lord is an indispensable help during a rebuilding project. Because God is our source, he's our strength, he's our helper, he's the one who gives strength to the weak. And so whatever you're trying to rebuild, uh, whatever or, or whatever rebuilding project you're about to take on, take it to the Lord in prayer. And the next thing we see in our text is that Nehemiah developed a plan for rebuilding the wall. I'm not going to go through this in great detail, but just a few things we find in verses 13 through 18. Nehemiah posted people at the points of the wall that were still vulnerable and armed them with swords and spears and bows. We're told that he developed a system where half the men did the work while the other half of the men guarded the walls with their swords, their spears, and their bows. The officers posted themselves behind those building the walls just to keep an eye on how things were going and if there were any threats that were off in the horizon. Among the workers, those who carried materials were told that they did so, they, they carried the materials with one hand and they held a sword, a, a weapon with the other hand. These are all things that required planning, that required communication. Here's how we're going to go about doing this. Here's how we're going to rebuild this wall. And we're told that each worker wore his sword by his side as he worked. So there were specific plans that were put into place. For our purposes today, the details of the plan are less important than the fact that there was a plan. There was a plan. Rebuilding requires a plan. Nehemiah developed one. 
Have you developed a plan for your rebuild? Whatever rebuild you need to undertake, you need to have a plan. And I would strongly encourage you to write the plan down. When you write it down, you can go back and look it over and look it over again and remind yourself and, and say, oh, I'm not keeping up with that part of the plan. I, I, I need to make sure I, I do that part. And when it's written out, you can adjust the plan as needed. You can add things to the plan as better ideas come to you or changes to the plan are required. Rebuilding is too important to just wing it. Rebuilding something in your life requires a plan. And so when the walls need rebuilt, we need to pray and we need to make a plan. And once we have embarked on the rebuild, the next thing we see in the text that we need to do is persevere. We need to persevere. It's very likely the antagonists are going to come out. It's likely that some insults and some discouraging comments are going to come your way. Internally, you're, even if you don't have antagonists, internally you're likely to face some discouragement. Rebuilding is hard, so you're going to be at risk of burning out. The rebuild is going to look impossible at times. And so you have to set your mind that you're going to see it through and persevere. And you say, well, that's easy to say. I know it's easy to say. It's really hard to do. I, I know it's hard to do. I can bear witness. Persevering through things is hard to do. But we are capable of doing a lot more than we give ourselves credit for. And we can persevere if we set our minds to persevere. And so you've got to set your mind that you're going to persevere, you're going to see it through. The points, and a great thing to keep in mind is the points of greatest opposition are often what immediately precedes some of the greatest breakthroughs in your rebuilding project. And so don't give up. Persevere. You, you know the old saying, it's always darkest right before the dawn. Is that actually true? Is that, liter is that true? Okay, it is true. I don't know if it's true or one of those things we always say that's not true, but it makes a good point, you know. So it's true. The scientists among us tell us that is really true. The moment where things seem the darkest is often the moment that immediately precedes a glorious inbreaking of light. I have very little doubt that many rebuilding projects have been abandoned just moments before the breakthrough was going to come, just moments before success was achieved. Don't be one of those statistics. Persevere in your rebuild. Verse 23 of our text tells us that Nehemiah and his men slept ready for battle. They stayed clothed for battle even when they slept, and they kept their weapons on them at all times. When you are rebuilding, do not let your guard down. You can't take a day off from the rebuild. You can't assume the threats don't exist anymore and get complacent. When you're rebuilding, you have to stay vigilant. So when you're rebuilding, persevere, stay alert, don't let your guard down. 
And then the final thing we see in Nehemiah 4 about what we should do when the walls need rebuilt is a very familiar message. It's one that we have seen over and over again throughout this series. It is my favorite verse in this chapter. And even though it's not a verse I've contemplated uh, a whole lot throughout my life, to be honest with you, I have come to love this verse as I've prepared for this message. I, I think it's, it's rapidly ascending my list of favorite Bible verses. It's just a great verse. Verse 14. Here's what Nehemiah writes. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Isn't that a great verse? That's, that's a great verse. That's, that's a verse you put on the refrigerator. That is a good verse. When something in your life needs rebuilt, we remember that we don't have to rebuild on our own. We should remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He is with us as we rebuild. Some of us here today are facing a rebuild that seems really challenging and we're intimidated by it. We know it needs to happen. We know that we need to get started, but we're procrastinating because, frankly, we're afraid to take it on. I believe that Nehemiah's appeal then is what the Holy Spirit is saying to everyone here today who needs to rebuild but has been hesitant to do so. I believe the Holy Spirit would say to you today, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Sure, there are challenges that are going to face you. There are obstacles that are going to come. You're going to face some antagonists, but don't be afraid of them. Get started with your rebuild. And here's why you don't need to be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Remember God who is all-powerful. He is with you in your rebuild, and he will help you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Who or what should we fear when God is fighting for us? The answer is no one and nothing. Verse 14 has three charges that I hope the Holy Spirit will drive deep into the hearts of everyone here today who needs to undertake a rebuilding project. Three charges. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Fight. Get started. Join the fight. Get to rebuilding what needs to be rebuilt in your life. My prayer today is that fear would lose its grip on every person who needs to rebuild something in their lives. My prayer is that every person who needs to do that would get started today. That you would not be afraid. That you would remember the Lord. And that you would fight for what God wants to do in your life. Why don't you stand? 